I was extremely excited. Like I felt like a little kid on like December 23rd, you know, Christmas, Christmas Eve presents. They're just one day away, but I just got to wait and just live the time to get there. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling, and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hello, Kelly. Maria, do we have a gold medal show for our listeners today? So if you want to get a gold medal mindset, stick around. We're going to be talking with 2016 Olympic gold medalist and one of the world's best sprint freestylers, Ryan Held. Ryan had a stellar NCAA career at North Carolina State, winning multiple NCAA relay titles and individual All-American honors and making his first Olympic team before his junior year at NC State. Now Ryan is a post-grad professional swimmer fresh off of winning the 50 and 100 free at the 2019 Summer Nationals. And at that meet, his 100 free set a U.S. Open record, meaning he is the fastest man ever to swim the 100 free on American soil. So Ryan is getting faster and faster, now ranked number three in the world. But Maria, before we bring Ryan on the call, can you give us a bit more background for our listeners as to the fact that last summer for Ryan was not very golden? Uh, Yes, Kelly. One of the things we want to chat with Ryan about is this big turnaround from last summer. Ryan had a rough time last summer at the World Championship team trials and missed making all the major U.S. travel teams. But now it's a whole different story. So I'm looking forward to chatting with Ryan about his recent rebirth. Me too, Maria. Then without further delay, let's welcome Ryan to the show. Ryan Held, great to have you here. Welcome to Champions Mojo. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So, Ryan, can you take us back to last summer when you did not make the world team or the Pan Am team? And uh, what went through your mind? And, you know, after you talk about that, how how did you deal with that disappointment and turn it around to this summer? Yeah, well, so so swimming's a very uh, swimming's a very, very tough sport, as in your success is only really defined by really one meet at the end of the summer and especially every four years. So, you know, you could be a great swimmer, but if you don't, you know, if you aren't producing and making results at the end of that, that championship meet, then, you know, it's very easy to be forgotten. And there are some great swimmers who never made an Olympic team. And it's, it's honestly kind of like a sh- shameful that it's uh, these like amazing swimmers kind of aren't always, I don't know, talked about being the greatest swimmers just because they never made an Olympic team or they only won, like they never won a individual world championship medal. And so that's kind of the tough thing about swimming. And so after last summer, 
where I didn't make the Pan American Games or the uh, the World Championship team, I was actually pretty uh, – I was very bummed uh, just because I felt like I disappointed a lot of people. I, you know, had these big high aspirations because I was coming off a good World 2017 World University Games, and I really thought um, – I don't know. I was kind of – I don't know if I was questioning, but uh, I guess there was a little bit of just like, do I want to swim? Should I keep swimming? I don't know. Like, I need to change something here. And because whatever the swimmer swimming was, what I was in, whatever rut I was in, I needed to get out of it. I needed to change it. So um, that's when uh, I kind of started like realizing that I needed to, yeah, get a change, do something else, different swimming. And that's when I decided that I, uh, I needed to like leave NC state and find a new training program to train with leading up to the next years and leading up to the next Olympic trials. That must've been a tough decision. Yeah, it was. Uh, one of my, so one of the, the kind of the mentor sensei, uh, I, uh, he's actually in my uh, phone contact photo. He's the old uh, turtle from Kung Fu Panda. Because <laughs> <I love laughs> anyway. uh, he was uh, so wise. And it was our diving coach, Yaya Rodman. And I was talking to him like, oh man, because I didn't want to talk to a swim coach because obviously they wanted me to like, they mean, they believe they I should stay at NC State. And so I needed to talk to someone neutral, but I needed to talk to someone who like would care about me and my decision. So Yaya was the one to talk to and he was he brought it into like a really cool uh, perspective he's like you know you've got two options you stay or you leave and then you know the other two options there's gonna be two outcomes it's gonna be you go fast because you left or you go fast because you stayed and then or you go slow because you left or you go slow because you stayed and he was like you know this big decision is like a black hole and you're walking towards it walking towards it and now you're like ready to knock on the front door of this black hole, but you know, you can't see what's beyond it. Um, but you only know the history behind you. So you have to like, I don't know, just kind of have to take a leap of faith and whatever you do fully commit to that, that decision. And then just don't look back after the black hole. And you did. What was the choice? Like what made you go to Indiana? So, uh, I actually, I looked at a few other places. I looked at team elite in San Diego and then I thought about maybe maybe like switching coaches from Bobby Guntura, who's my main sprint coach at NC State, to Braden Holloway, who is the mid-distance kind of 100-stroke coach at NC State. And I thought about maybe switching to him. And then I was uh, Coley Stickles, who was the uh, sprint coach at the University of Indiana. So it was, uh, it was a pretty tough decision. But I, what I really enjoyed about Coley is that he – so I guess the main reason why I had to leave NC State, let me talk about that first, was because I was I've been there for five years and I was almost getting too good at the system. I could beat the coaches in the system and working hard. Aha. <laughs> oh, I love that. Sorry. Go ahead. No worries. I, I knew where I could give 95, 90, 85 percent instead of 100. And I knew the coaches wouldn't know the difference. So then, but then the coaches couldn't hold me accountable for working hard and pushing me because they didn't know I was giving anything less than my best. Mm -hmm. So then I was starting to swim slow in this negative feedback stuff mm -hmm. uh, cycle. So that's when I went to Coley and Coley is like a no nonsense guy. 
I've been with him for maybe like four or five months and I've maybe gotten one or two compliments about my swimming. Everything else is like, you need to do this right. You're doing this wrong. You, you need to work. You need to hold this time, whatever, you know, too slow. You need to keep going. And it's that kind of like, oh man, I want to be the best ever. Like I got to be the best ever. That's, that's really pushing me with Coley. That that's really interesting. So it's, it, was it the change up or was it a recommitment on your part or a combination? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I was at NC State, I was just, I was just, my, I don't know, my mind was all kind of muddied and I was like, uh, swimming, I don't know, like, mm. uh, just kind of, I don't know, monotonous. But then when I got to Coley, it was like, it was, it's so Coley and NC State are very similar. They have the same principles, but just different execution. So it was just like, just a little bit of that switch that really like, kind of re-sparked this whole new enthusiasm with me and swimming that I really uh, I started to enjoy swimming again. I started to enjoy sprinting, racing, all that, just the kind of the grind of being better. I'm so uh, impressed with your insightfulness as, you know, a rather young man that you would be that insightful, obviously not hitting your goals at the, you know, last summer made you reevaluate everything but do you do something do you journal do you meditate do you what really like it's so deep for you to say that you you knew that you were only giving 90 to 95 percent but the coaches didn't so that's just that's such integrity did you figure that out looking back or did you know it at the time ryan no i knew it at the time i knew and i knew it at the time because i would come home practice coming home from practices and I'd be mad that like, I just didn't even try. And uh, I, you know, I was just mad at myself, uh, love mad it. at so my you, swimming yeah. and everything. So you lost self-respect and you've gotten it back. It sounds like. So how did you get to that though? I mean, what, what was it just, like I said, do you, do you journal? Do you breathe? Do you think, do you, what, what is your process for What's, that? Yeah, it's a good question. So I find my moments of Zen, Right where, where I lived in Raleigh by North Carolina uh, State, there's a the J.C. Ralston Arboretum, mm-hmm. which is this big flower garden, but it has kind of sculptures, art in there. And so I, I would walk in that garden almost all the time, or I'd walk around Jordan Lake, uh, just walking in nature, kind of being like, I don't know, turning, kind of going um, like social media dry, phone dry, just kind of leaving in the car and just taking a loop around the lake or something just to have no other distractions but myself, but just being present with me. And then just kind of think about everything with no other distractions. And I, that's kind of where I find my, my moments of Zen and most clear mind. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is there even now there's a new thing called forest bathing where doctors are writing prescriptions for people to go spend time in nature. So, um, to, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. To lower blood pressure, to help with anxiety. And so, um, I hope you can keep that up. So, um, so let's fast forward to, uh, so you, you arrive in Indiana, you're swimming for Coley Stickles, you'll love it. And then boom, what happens, Ryan? So I get to Indiana for about two months. I, I'm just starting to make friends on the team, getting, um, getting to know Bloomington. And then Coley pulls me into his office and he says, like, you know, Ryan, I told you when you were coming here that 
this may not be a permanent place. Like I may have a, I may move before the 20, 2020 uh, trials. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And he was like, well, like I just took the, the head coaching job at the university of Alabama. So oh I'm moving to Tuscaloosa in about like a week or so. Oh my, like, gosh. oh my gosh are you kidding like oh man like I just signed this this year lease and like I just started making friends and like I haven't even raced yet so I didn't really know if this program was working and like in Indiana has a has a very well established pro group they have a large post-grad team and they're all very high world-class athletes high caliber so they would have been great to train with but I came here for Coley. And so now I, like, I just made this big decision to leave, you know, my, my home for the past five years, my friends, my coaches to now go to this Indiana and only to have two months later to be moved down to Alabama. But so right now I live yeah, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's a beautiful city. I've been there. I love it. Actually, I've been present or pleasantly surprised with Tuscaloosa and Alabama in general. I've yeah. Actually- really enjoyed my time down there. And obviously your program has been working with Coley amazingly. Um, like we said in your intro, you're, you you started swimming really great just at the uh, tier pro swim series. And then you just, of course, won the, the nationals. So what is some, like you said, the training regimens are the same pretty much like from NC State, just more of a, you're just more what is pushing different? yourself or what, what do you think is happening there? Is it just you or is it them too? So I think it's, well, I think it, well, first off, um, as soon as I got with Coley, he changed my stroke up a little bit, the stroke mechanics. And so Coley is all about science. He's all about, you know, the, the physics of water and uh, like human biology, kinesiology, anatomy, physiology. So he, he's all about like science and stuff. So he like, his practices kind of seem all over the place, super scatterbrained because one minute we're doing this, then the next minute we're doing that. And, you know, outside, outside looking in, he's like, what is this guy doing? He has no idea. But inside looking out, Coley is like actually uber detailed of what he wants and uber specific about what he wants, how he wants it. And like the time intervals and everything um, that's going on. So, the diff- main difference between NC State and here is that uh, NC State, we we did we did nine practices a week, so we doubled, and we did a lot of power based. So we have these what it's called power racks, and they're about like a, a tower of about 10, 10, 10 pound plates each, and you but you can only swim about 15, 12 and a half yards, and so it's mainly just for like having an immediate once you hand enters the water have an immediate catch and power uh through the full stroke that that front end catch of the stroke and uh i don't really know how to explain it over via chat without using like hand motions uh so i'm sorry to non-swimmers out here listening uh but it, it's it's all about yeah just power front end catch of the stroke whereas with coley we hardly do any power it's all kind of like lactic acid uh, lactate training, trying to spike the body, like spike the body with a ton of lactic acid, and then just kind of work through, work through, work through your body feeling like crud. So we'll do a ton of um, 
pre-exhaustive work. So we'll, before we do like a 50 back end speed or something, we'll kind of skull against the water or skull against the wall. I mean, kick for about seven seconds or something, uh, skull in really hard in a neutral skull and then flip. So you're kind of already out of breath and your legs are already burning and your arms are already burning, but you're just trying to mirror the exact same feeling you're going to feel that that last 50 of a hundred meter free win because you're not going to be fresh. Um, the point of doing back ends while you're fresh makes no sense because you're, you're going to be tired. And if you do them fresh, then you're going to have this false confidence that, wow, yeah, I can do all these times. I can do like a 50 meter free back end on like 20, four or whatnot like oh that's awesome but in reality you're not gonna be feeling that way like the best I don't even know probably come back in 25 26 so wow that just makes me exhausted just thinking of that drill right there (laughs) helicoptering up a little bit Ryan um it, it sounds like you really trust your coach yeah oh I definitely do um Coley Coley and I have this awesome great relationship you know we kind of joking we kid with each other but when it comes down to working for it I'm ready to go he's ready to go and I definitely he's super unconventional in some things like uh the way so like one time he came up to me and he was like hey whatever you do like don't eat strawberries anymore Like, (laughs) Like, like what do you mean like strawberries are like a fruit like good I don't know, good flows of fiber, whatnot. And he's like, no, don't do it. He's like, Tom Brady doesn't eat strawberries. So, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I said, I was like, is this uh, like something you read in like sports science or something? Or just because Tom Brady is like, no, Tom Brady's a good athlete and he doesn't eat strawberries. So neither- <laughs> Sorry to the strawberry growers of, who are funny. listening. That's funny. <laughs> That's a great story. Is is it this this sort of new new commitment and and trusting your coach um, when you're coming into this the summer's meets? Were you feeling like okay, this is it, I got this, or were you just worrying that you you know things might not go well again? So about two weeks out from U.S. Nationals, because the some University of Alabama swimmers came up to me and they're like, "Hey, when does?" Because like a typical t- college taper is about three weeks. Three weeks, you start cutting out weights, start the yardage comes down, but the intensity remains high. And then two weeks out, still no like no weights, dry land's coming down a lot. Um, yardage is even coming down more. That but intensity is still so the amount of yardage goes down, but the the level the same amount of yardage of intensity is still the same. So instead of doing five thousand with uh, two thousand of it being threshold or better or something. In week two, it might be like it might be like forty-two thousand, but you know only two thousand of it is threshold or whatnot. Um, so that like the, the yardage goes down, but the intensity stays high. And so oh, going back to my story, is uh, some of the University of Alabama swimmers came up to me and they're like, "Hey, like how does Coley's taper work?" And because it just seems a little different than other coaches. And I was like, honestly, guys, I've never even tapered with Coley. So I have no idea how this mm-hmm. is going to work or how this is going to play out. So for a, a little bit, I was pretty nervous. Like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, this is a big summer coming up. Like, um, you know, this is going to be my summer to get some funding from uh, FINA for being in the top 12 going into Olympic year. Uh, like, I was kind of just pacing back and forth in my mind. And then about a week out, 
when the legs start to become fresh because they're not being, you know, buried with weights and kicking and all the like other hard workouts. So the legs start to become fresh and I was starting to hit really fast times in practice. And Cole was like, yeah, okay, you, you're, you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to go this week. And so that, after that, he said that I was like, all right, like I'm ready to go. And so whatever on August, no, July 31st, that's when the hunter free was, it was like July 26th or something. I was, I just remember I was sitting there and I was, I was extremely excited. Like I felt like a little kid on like December 23rd, you know, Christmas, Christmas Eve presents. They're just one day away, but I just got to wait and just live the time to get there. <laughs> I knew I had a 47 in me and I knew after when, when I had this newfound confidence that I was about ready to explode on the swimming scene. And I was like, oh man, I just can't wait for nationals, but I just got to live the days to get there before I get to the meet. That's wow. awesome. That, that's that, really, that is. Yeah. So, you know, now you're, you're, I would imagine you feel really good. And, you know, just a year ago, you were questioning whether you even wanted to be a swimmer anymore. For people like me who don't swim, but just want to understand, you know, what, what lessons do you take away from, you know, losses and wins? I mean, you know, for you, how, how is that, you know, you seem like you're pretty, pretty level. Uh, yeah. So, so swimming, swimming is probably one of the most unique sports ever in that it's, it's social, but it's not social. It's a team sport, but it's not a team sport. It's individual, but it's not really individual. So it's like, it's, it's social, but it's not is, you know, you, you, you are with a team, you practice with a group. Um, but for 90% of the workout, you're face down in the water, looking at the black line left alone with you and your thoughts. There's no, there's very like, you maybe have like a minute or two to chat with your teammates between sets, between intervals. Um, but that's very rare. And it's mainly just you and your thoughts and just, your own self desire to be become the best in your own practice. And then it's a team sport, but it's not is because you have relays and you know, like the, the team sets the momentum for how the swim, uh, the swimmers are going to do. So if, you know, if the team has a good mental attitude, then everyone's going to um, succeed. So at NC state, we always said a single tide raises all ships. Mm -hmm. So one person on the team having a good mental attitude pushes everyone else on the team and everyone else does better. Mm -hmm. And it's an individual sport that you, you know, only, only one swimmer, like the swimmer is going to stand on the podium, but you know, it's not just the swimmer. It's the nutritionist, the, the weight strength coach, the actual coaches, his or her parents. And there's a whole support team behind it that makes it. So it's, it's not just like an individual sport. I guess really, let me, let me redirect a little bit. It's like, you know, you, you went through, a, I would imagine kind of a low period after your, you know, your less, your less than stellar performance last summer. And now you're, you know, you're doing great. I mean, how did you, how do you deal with the highs and the lows is really, you know, cause you don't seem, like I said, you seem pretty level headed, you know, if for those of us, you know, when you've got a big dream, like the Olympics, <laughs> it's a long road and there's going to be some stumbles in there. So do you have any encouragement for people who are going after something big like that? Yeah. So uh, in my interview, 
honestly, I, I didn't really just kind of in my post, my post hunter free interview, it was a question very similar to this. And, you know, I, I never understand those interviews because they're the swimmer is exhausted. They just swam in there <laughs> questions. But the interviewer asked me something that was something along those lines. And I, I, I didn't really mean it to say it, but it kind of came out. And I, I said something along the lines of like, uh, with just because you're down, you're having a down year, doesn't mean you're out of the whole race. You know, uh, you're just because, you know, Ryan Held had a bad 2018 summer. He's not out of the race for the 2020 Olympic Games. Um, he's like, I'm still very much a part of that. Uh, and with swimming, it's very difficult because the highs and the lows are extreme. Um, you know, I don't know, in basketball, okay, your team loses, but like, you know, the NBA championship. Well, you have next year. I mean, everyone watches basketball, but swimming, you only get four years. So every four years, that's when it's like, holy cow, this is the greatest swimmer ever. And then the next the next three years, it's like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, until the next the next Olympic year, and then it's like, wow, like, so great. So I'll give you an example. Like uh, Josh Schneider, fantastic sprinter, one of America's top sprinters in the swimming history, never made an Olympic team. And unfortunately, like, like most swimming fans probably couldn't even tell you who Josh Schneider was just because he wasn't even an Olympic swimmer. So it's very – it's very um, polar of, you know, when you're like, when you win after 2016, when I won the Olympic uh, gold and the relay, you know, I became a rock star overnight. People that weren't even swimming fans were stopping asking me questions uh, on autographs and everything and pictures and everything. But then fast forward to last year after like 2018, like, yeah, no one really cared. It's like, ah, okay, Ryan, he's done. Like he's not done, but he's, you know, he, he's off his game, whatever. He's kind of getting old now. Time time for some new sprinters like uh, Dean Ferris, Tate Jackson. They'll, they'll replace him. That so it is, hard. yeah, it's, it's, it's very yeah. tough. It's a tough part of being the, the four-year cycle and that swimmers are only really recognized in that Olympic year. So, uh, before I have two little quick summations, what I want to say, maybe what you were getting at was you can lose the battle, but win the war. So like in the four years, like you had a bad 2018, that was the battle, but you're going to win the war going into 2020. So maybe, you know, that that sums that up. Then I wanted to get back to something that you were saying before I tie into the conversation that we're currently having. And that is, you were saying that at Alabama or at NC State, you had nine workouts a week. How many do you have in Alabama? Oh, yes. Sorry, we only have six. So we only single at Alabama. Okay. So once a day. Okay, great. So we didn't take your nap today. <laughs> okay. Because I, I was thinking, oh, I hate to take Ryan's nap if he's in the middle of a double. He's probably going to be sleeping at one o'clock. And oh, that makes me feel so much better. So that's a huge difference, I think. You know, that's. Uh, a little, uh, well, that's a lot different. So are your workouts then mornings or afternoons? Uh, typically afternoons. So Coley, big science guy, he, um, he says there's no efficacy to doubles, uh, especially for sprinting because like he, he's, he always telling me, like, I never read the article myself, but I believed him. 
that like the human body will switch from anaerobic to aerobic around 45 seconds like on average and so short course yards that's all aerobic you know uh oh that's 41 seconds for long course 100 that's just barely over the threshold so maybe you need a little aerobic uh training capacity but for the most part it's all like anaerobic training that we do that is so i think that's very cutting edge and it sounds a lot uh similar to what michael andrew does which is usrpt and I think they're only doing one one a days mostly, maybe not, but uh, certainly a little little more scientific. And he's one of the top fifty freestylers who I know you compete against. I, I just believe the sport of swimming is now starting to get into the science realm. So for the longest time, you know, the United well, for, I mean, probably forever, the United States will always be dominant in swimming just because. We're so big. We have so many outliers, you know, that a, a swimmer can be a great swimmer under a coach that doesn't do like, I don't know what the science says is effective or whatnot, but just because they're an outlier, they're so good. And the United States is so great, but countries like, um, so a great example of this is, uh, the Netherlands. Sorry. I was going to say the Dutch, but the Netherlands. So well, there is the Dutch. You had it right. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to, that, that wasn't their country's name. And I was, right. Right. Oh, that's good. I'm gonna, mine yeah um so they're a super small country but they have some of the best sprinters in the world and it's not because they have just this super concentrated random concentration of, of outliers it's because they are very science driven they have like the institute of science of the netherlands and um, amsterdam and eidenhoven and um, their weight room is called the metal factory m m e d a l and it's mm-hmm. all about science, force plates, you know, like uh, just using the best for human, uh, just human physiology to be the absolute best they can be. And I think that a lot of, um, and sorry to go back to the United States is like the United States doesn't like to, I don't know, use this science. I feel like at times because it's like, well, why fix something that's not broken? Like the United States will always produce swimmers that are, at the top of the world level, because it's just, I don't know, it's just outliers. They're random. They're kind of diamonds in the rough. And, uh, and if you try to like tell others from coaches about this, it's like, well, no, that's going against the social norm. So like one thing that it took me a while and I always push back about Coley, but uh, is Coley is like, don't warm down. He's like, there's no efficacy for warming down. And I was like, what? Like, really? And it's like, but that's like the cultural and social norm after a swim meet is to to warm down to, you know, to like, I don't know, just do a little 400 kind of 10 yard sprints just to clear the threshold lactate acid. And he's like, no, there's no efficacy for it unless you're swimming in 40 minutes, like just don't warm down. And like it. I don't know. It's wow. It, bl- it sounds like it blew your mind. It blows that's my mind. Blowing. My mind is blown what commonalities that you think champions share. And I would like number one might be that you do your research or you you trust your coach who does the research for you. You don't just go out there and do what you've always done. What what other things do you think make you a champion? Ryan, I know you're, you're probably too humble, but what, 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 what do you think has led to your success? Uh, I think being able to just to, Hmm. I'd say to, to set goals and just to always be consciously 
minded towards those goals. Hmm. So I can I can recall a few times at NC State where it was like so we we would have practice. So we didn't have we didn't have Wednesday afternoon practice. We didn't have Thursday morning practice. Hmm. So there would be so you know in college you know people would kind of go out and have fun on those days because they had the night off and the next morning off. And so there's plenty of times where going up and I was like, well, yeah, I guess those those times when like other swimmers and other uh, of my non swimming college friends be like, yo, Ryan, like, let's hang out. Let's do all this stuff. And uh, they'd be like, yo, let's let's meet at this bar at like 10 p.m. It's like, oh, man, 10 p.m. Like, that's when I'm going to bed. Like, sorry, guys, can't can't hang out, can't do all this other stuff. No, thank you, though. And there's other times where it's uh, the swimmers, all the swimmers on the team don't end their season at the same time. So some end at the 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 the, the meet before ACCs, which is like the, the non ACC crew. And then there's ACCs and then there's NCAAs. And then there's, you know, sometimes if there's a if they're a foreign, they have their nation's championship meet a little bit after NCAAs. So. Uh, and it's hard because like once the ACC and like the people before you, they get done, they're always having fun. They're going to um, the lake, Lake Jordan, Lake Eno. They're going to Charlotte to sightsee or doing all this other stuff or uh, just like having a good time on Glenwood Street. And it's like, oh, man, like I want to do that. I want to be with them because I feel like I'm missing out on social history, social culture. But like, I got to stay focused for my goals. Like, I know this is the the long-term goal and I got to just stay committed to it. Oh, that's beautiful. So you have to say no to some immediate gratifications to, to win, win long-term. And Ryan, so for our young listeners out there who may want to go to the Olympics, what, when did your Olympic dream start and what advice would you give a kid that um, wants to go to the Olympics I, well, I mean, I don't think there's not a single kid in in the swimming community who's serious about it that doesn't want to be a part of the Olympic team and have their last name with an American flag on it, mm-hmm. on the same cap. So mm-hmm. I remember when that, when I first saw that, I like almost, I almost like shed a tear. It was like just a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, that, I mean, it's always been a goal of mine, but growing up, it was, I want, I wanted to do it, but it never seemed like, I don't know, realistic because I came from not, I was in Springfield, Illinois is the birthplace of where I'm from. And it's not a strong swimming community for until my freshman year in high school, we had a four lane indoor YMCA pool that we had like seven kids per lane. And if you're not swimmers, uh, seven kids per like usual is two or three and mm-hmm. seven kids you know, everyone produces wake and chop that in uh, the lane lines, the things that separates the lanes from the pool, they're supposed to kind of deter the waves and kind of help calm the pool down. But in your own lane, before they can bounce off the lane lines, it just basically is swimming open water and, you know, and kids sometimes are going slower. So you would catch their feet and then you have to pass them. And then it's a whole hassle about doing that. Um, so I was, so swimming, so going back to the original question, so swimming, I was never really all that, I was never really like all that kind of hot shot swimmer 
in central Illinois. Uh, I was pretty, I was good, but I wasn't never like the swimmer until about my seventh grade when I broke my leg playing indoor soccer. And so I said no to all the other contact sports. I didn't like running. And uh, so I, I said no to that. And that's when I became a full year round swimmer and started becoming more focused on swimming. And because of that, I know I, I got decent in high school or not decent, I guess. I, I was good for Illinois. I won the state championship. In <laughs> that's <grid>. decent. <laughs> yeah. And I thankfully got recruited by NC State to to come there. Um, and so so uh, for non-swimmers, so the NCAA and pretty much any high school competition in most pools you'll see in the United States are 25 yards. Whereas the Olympics are swum in a 50 meter pool. Mm -hmm. So um, and in Springfield, we only had two 50 meter pools. One was owned by the park district. And then the other one was on the other side of the town where the YMCA was, where I grew up swimming. And so, oh, I should also add the fact that after my freshman year, we got an eight lane uh, 25 yard pool on uh, to for the spy swim team, which was the team I swam for. So we got, we got more resources and that's kind of how we got better too, is uh, more pool space, more lane space. Um, Cause it allowed everyone just to kind of blossom and grow. Uh, but anyways, going back to their story on the other side of town from where the Y was located was another 50 meter pool, but it was super old and it was kind of junky and the pipes would break or something. So then that pool would close. So then we never, we never really had a 50 meter pool consistently so long course training was never a big priority or strength of mine and so thankfully when I got to NC State we focused on long course long course long course like all the time and I really developed my long course so I think like my first meet with NC State when it was long course like I dropped like a combined like 17 seconds or something <laughs> wow. just because like I never swam them in in anything that's beautiful. That's great. That's great. That and one last question yeah. for any other advice to the kids. Yeah. Growing up, I actually watched this this Powerade commercial, and I really like this message that Powerade has. And it's uh, it says a kid from somewhere. So any kid from anywhere can be, you know, the next star. And so, like, sometimes it was like they had, like, the kid from Akron, the kid from Chicago, the – the rose that grew from the concrete. And that was like Derek Rose, you know, how he had a rough childhood, got drafted to Memphis, and then is now like the NBA all-star. And he came home for Chicago. And there was uh, – so I mean, my message was like, you know, I didn't have a fancy, super nice facility. I didn't have any world-class swimming coach. Um, my teammates were other multi-sport athletes. Um, there, I didn't have any like – so, like I don't know other Olympic caliber swimmer when I was in high school pushing me and it was it was honestly just hard work and dedication and love for the sport so it doesn't matter what you have you can do it if you love it and you work hard at it exactly and That's I love nice. that. That's a great message. Yeah. And I love that any kid can do it like why not me I love the saying why not you you know like mm -hmm. just a, a kid from anywhere that's beautiful Ryan, we are so appreciative of your of your time and you probably have afternoon workout. And what we before we let you go, we're going to do something new to the show, which is called the sprinter round, where we hit you with some fast response questions. Just it's kind of 
even multiple choice on some. I'm ready. Let's do it. Take your fire. Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? All three of my universities have been red, so red. <laughs> yeah, you better have said red. <laughs> Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Ooh, dark chocolate. Good from diets. Yeah. Kickboard or no kickboard? No kickboard. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Boxers or briefs? <laughs> Uh, boxers. <laughs> boxers. That wasn't in there. She snuck that one in. <laughs> iPhone or Android? Uh, I have an, I'm team Android. All right. All right. We are too. Coffee or tea? <laughs> tea. Morning person or night owl? Mm, I'm probably a little bit more of a morning person. Mini golf or real golf? <sighs> I'm trying to work on my golf games, but for right now, I'll say mini golf. Okay. Okay. I get the next 10. All right. These these are, aren't multiple choice. You have to come up with something. What's your favorite color? Uh, red. <laughs> there we go. Favorite pizza topping? Ooh, I'd say probably Italian sausage. All right. Favorite vegetable? <sighs> Ooh. <laughs> um, mm, I'd probably say cauliflower. Oh, that's a good one. Favorite swim complex you've swum in in the U.S.? The Northside Swimming Center in San Antonio, Texas. All right. Uh, something on your pre-race playlist. So I typically don't actually listen to music. I I just like to, most of the time I'll put on headphones, noise canceling headphones, but not play any music just to, just to be quiet and just kind of be meditative. Wow. That's incredible. That's so, that seems so mature to me. That's wonderful. What's your shoe size? Depends on the shoe company, but anywhere from 11 to 11 and a half. Okay. Any siblings? Yes, I have one brother. He is a doctor in Charlotte. Oh wow! Cool. Favorite favorite Star Wars character? Ooh, I'd probably say. Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> I'll say Jin Urso. All right, all right. I'll take it. Can you cook? Yes, I like to cook. Oh, that's great. What word comes to mind most when you dive into the water? Uh, if it's practice, it's like, oh, okay, here comes the cold. Here comes. The cold. <laughs> but it, it's uh, if it's a race, it's almost it's primal. It's like, go. Ah, oh, I love that. I what love a great it. Great way to end that. That's yeah. Go. That's I love beautiful. it. All right. Well, very cool, Ryan. Um, we so appreciate your time and we will let you go. We really thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, Ryan. Thanks so much, Ryan. We really appreciate your time and, and your beautiful wisdom. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Okay. So, Maria, what a great interview. What do you think? What a What a kind and and thoughtful young man he seems to know himself and um yeah i lo- i i i really liked the interview i loved i loved hearing his his stories about his his successes and his failures yes he told some great stories and just a very very grounded and 
Um, yes. Just a, just really wise for being such a young age. And um, but uh, it, it was great. So let's do our takeaways. And okay. why don't we alternate? You go one, I'll go one and we'll each do okay. two. So I one of the things that I was really inspired by was what was his little story he told about having Wednesday nights off and Thursday mornings and a lot of the other swimmers or the other athletes or, you know, knew that and wanted him to go out with them and, you know, meet at a bar at 10 o'clock or something. And he, he wanted to do that. You know, all college kids want to do that, but he said no, because he was able to keep the long game in mind. He wanted to do something bigger than, than, than the fun he would have, the immediate gratification he would have with spending an evening out. So I, I thought a good takeaway there is, yeah, it's sometimes you have to say no to something that seems fun right now. You got to turn off the Netflix or the Facebook so that you can get the thing done that's going to make you truly happy. Yes, that is, was very mature and obviously led to yeah. a successful uh, successful campaign for him. So I thought I thought I was so impressed with his insightfulness as far as knowing that, hey, you know, he had been swimming at NC State for five years and he kind of knew the system. You know, he had kind of watched yeah. the system and that he knew he was only giving 90 to 95 percent. And I, I thought that that was really, really wise and insightful that, you know, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Yeah, he, he did have self-knowledge. I mean, I, I, I was thinking, you know, I asked the question, did you know it then? And he was like, yeah. He knew it even then. So yeah. he knew himself. Yeah, that very, very insightful. Yeah, the other thing that I that I found really impressive and I think rare, um, not among the champions that we interviewed, but in, in life in general, is when you have a big defeat. You know, you have he had a bad summer last summer. And he, as you pointed out, he already had his Olympic gold medal. He'd already had lots and lots of success in swimming. And yet, and he toyed with the idea of not swimming anymore, but yet he, he knew he had more and he went back after it and, and he, and he made the changes he needed to make to go after something more. I, I just, I think that takes great courage, you know, great energy, you know, to say, okay, this, it's not over for me yet. I'm really going to give it another try. I, I respect the heck out of that. Yes. Yes. That was, a, what that about, was an excellent one. I know you had, do you have something else, Kelly? Yeah, I'm sure so you do. My last one was when, when I asked him, you know, how do you get these insights? I loved that he I did too. connected yeah. to nature, you know, that he walked, he went to the botanical garden there in Raleigh and he said he went there a lot. So yeah. I think, you know, that is a really valuable thing that we can all do which is going to lead me into our action items. And my action item, which anybody can do with me or not, is my action item is going to be to, you know, to get in nature and really do that forest bathing or you don't even have to be in a forest. They say if you just around nature, flowers, trees, you can even go to one tree. That is, we can put a reference in the show notes to forest bathing, but it it really does lower your blood pressure, lower anxiety. So I'm going to try to make sure I'm forest bathing or at least getting in nature at least three times a week. How about you, Maria? What are you going to do? Oh, I, I, I love that. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about this, how important and sacred the earth is and nature is, and it connects us with the divine and 
you know, so that's, that's a great takeaway. My takeaway, I think, or my action item for me is going to be what Ryan talked about, about saying no to the immediate, to go toward that bigger, longer goal. I think, um, you have said, I love you, you exercise your discipline muscle. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I yeah, I, 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 you know, I love that. I think about that a lot. You know, Ryan was exercising his discipline muscle. And but what Ryan was doing was thinking about the far away thing. And I think that sometimes we forget. Um, so my action item is going to be to when I'm especially at night when I can, I can tend to be less disciplined and we all are and when we're tired at night to to exercise my long game, which is that I want to feel good tomorrow. So I'm going to get myself in the bed and I'm not going to be lazy about doing all the things I have to do before I get to bed. Like sometimes I can be too lazy to get ready for bed. So I'm going to, (laughs) my action item is to, going to be to do the things that I need to do to get in bed before I'm too tired to do them. (laughs) That Maria, that is a great one. And I told you I did not sleep very well last night. And, And that's a great one because if you can be disciplined to, you know, turn off the TV to, yeah. to yeah. you know, quiet yourself down before you go right. to bed. That, that is a really good one. I love it. Yeah. So I'm going to join you in your action item, too, and I'm sure you can join me in mine yeah. getting into the <laughs> It's nature. easy for me. I live in a beautiful place yes, where it's easy do. to go outside and be connected. Wonderful. Okay. Well, uh, that is going to be a wrap for another show of uh, Champions Mojo. So we really appreciate everyone spending time with us. We look forward to talking with you next week. Yeah, thanks so much. See you next week. Bye. Bye. This week's quote of the week comes to us from Jack Cornfield. When we get too caught up in the busyness of the world, we lose connection with one another and ourselves. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also visit championsmojo.com to learn more.